Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 214, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Thursday, December 9th, 2021, National Pastry Day. Who uh, is not happy to celebrate National Pastry Day? Mm -hmm. What one of those things that almost you would think doesn't need a national day because we're we're all it's pretty like pizza, right? Yeah, we're all pretty aware of pastries. We're all we're all fans, but I guess you, know, decent, you, know? you you would think that, and then National Pastry Day comes, and you're like, ah, never mind. This is this is the best. Uh, also, Christmas card day. Hmm. I thought that was Christmas, but I am wrong. <laughs> My name is Jack O'Brien, aka. Jizz Lane Maxwell has the hammer fall down upon her head. Too bad Maxwell is the scapegoat now that Epstein's dead. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right. That was courtesy of Matt Dick. Uh, Matt Dick, though, on uh, Twitter. And uh, shout out to the Beatles documentary, which informed us, uh, which made me feel good for uh, always hating that song because it was apparently the worst recording process of all time well i'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host mr miles gray the time is right got a joint and light simply having a wonderful spliff miss time and shout hey. out to hannah ramick you the aka goddess herself hannah soltis i sees you on discord uh, and just keeping that Beatles theme going, although, you know, that's what that's the Paul McCartney, the thing that I grew up hearing adults say, this is crap, that song is just crap. Well, that's what but, you learn from the uh, documentary is that Maxwell Silverhammer is like a McCartney joint that everybody in the band thought was, like, very corny. And he was like, no, 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 you have to, you have to like, then we'll, we'll hit this thing and it'll, like, sound cool. And, uh, <laughs> and then... After the filming of the documentary, they did the uh, Abbey Road sessions, and apparently it was the song that broke up the band, or did the most to break up the band. Oh, Anyways, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by one of the yes. greatest stand-ups, funniest podcasters, doing it anywhere. Uh, you've seen her on HBO's Two Dope Queens and heard her on her podcast, Dork Forest. And the Jackie and Lori show. Please welcome the brilliant, the talented Jackie Kasia. Yay! I feel welcome. Welcome. What's up? And I will not be breaking into song. My my loss. Their loss. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah loss for sure. <laughs> Some say love. No, come on. <laughs> just a straight down the middle. <laughs> yeah. Just straight. Just doing something out of karaoke. Ninety seven. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> love it. Jackie, where are you uh, coming to us from? What uh, what part of the cursed landscape are you at right <laughs> God's now? green earth. It is, uh, we're talking Hollywood, Hollywood, Florida, oh, oh, where, oh, weirdly Florida. enough, it looks like carrion birds are floating in the sky. I, wish you, I wonder if you can see them. <laughs> oh, but what? it's not good. It's not good. And then there's, uh, but there's a lot of uh, music-themed art. I'm surrounded, and I don't know anything about, me. like, I know... I listen to music. I'm not a monster, but I don't like. I, I'm not. I haven't watched that documentary. There's a giant picture downstairs that I just tweeted. I said, I, it, I think it's a heavy metal. I know he's hugely famous. He's wearing a bandana as a hat. I don't know who he is. And everybody, feel free to guess. And then in two hours, when I'm done with the zeitgeist, I will post a picture, and you all go, "How can you not know?" How did you not know that? It's bandana my, hat. 
<laughs> my favorite, uh, my favorite type of mu- genre of music themed art is things that are shaped as like musical instruments. Right. And, and you were sharing before we recorded that you are, in fact, in a hotel shaped like a guitar. Yeah. And you know those, uh, you know, when, when they line you up like cattle to check into a hotel? Right. The posts are all guitars. Oh, everything's wow. a guitar. Yeah. Like for like rope and stanchion? Yeah. Like yeah, that yeah. kind of thing? But it's <laughs> yeah. a fuck. Isn't that like way more Very of a top footprint? Heavy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, oh, this whole thing is a footprint. It's the devil's <laughs> thumb. It is sticking out of the Everglades or wherever the hell I am. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like a giant footprint. This thing, when, when the aliens come, they'll be like, oh, they didn't like this planet at all. Right. No, no. Like, oh, so they were they were trying to kill it. Oh, it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Why it's dead? Stab, stab, okay. stab. This is giant <laughs> knife into the art. That's what this is. The art guitar. in my room is something in it. Does I'd show it to you, but of course it's a hotel art, so it's of course nailed to the wall. Uh, but it's uh, guitar picks, guitar picks, oh, like yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yes. You love Very cool. <laughs> nothing <laughs> is more metal. Nothing is more <laughs> rock and roll than things shaped like guitars. Than hotel, mass made hotel art <laughs> with guitar picks. Than like is. macaroni art, but with guitar picks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hell yeah. Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. I think my lamp is a drum. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. That's like just got to be so weird. You're like, and they're like, fuck, is it? My lamp's a drum. The toilet's a drum stool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's one of those symbol hats instead of a fridge or right. I don't, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, that that would be what they serve the burger in is like the. the oh, yeah, there's the no symbol yeah, like, hat. The hi hat right. opens up and there's a burger inside. Or but like it's a charger because it's too. Like, if they aren't doing that, they're actually leaving money on the table. That's right. right. And I'm guessing the elevator is just rife with rock quotes, right? Oh, there's something going on. I don't yeah. know what's happening, except for no one with masks. That's what we know. Yeah. A lot of people, right. a lot of things not happening here in Florida. A lot of people living on a prayer. My favorite philosopher, Eric Clapton, has always said, you don't need that. You don't need that fucking mask. <laughs> don't, don't let the government tell you what to do. You know, I had a that's... moment at LAX yesterday. I, I tweeted about it, but it was... Um, I was in an elevator going up to the Delta Sky Club. I travel a lot, you guys. I'm in the Delta Sky Club. It's very glamorous. Anyway, it's a tiny elevator. Me, two other middle-aged women, and 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 an older man. Demographic, just so you know. The man's Middle Eastern. Might be uh, Arabic or Armenian or something. I'm Armenian, so I can almost tell. And then uh, (laughs) there's an Asian woman and another middle-aged white lady. And we're all going up this elevator. We're packed like sardines and but we're all wearing masks and i make the joke that i make now in a packed elevator which is we're packed in here like it's 2019 i'm not saying it's super funny but sometimes it'll get a laugh and i'm a desperate desperate comedian so (laughs) i get a laugh and then the guy says this is all ridiculous you know this is a this is just a plot this is just hell yeah Giant silence, buzzkill on <laughs> on inside this tiny tiny elevator, and we were all shocked. And so I just said back, "You didn't want to stay living." And then the <laughs> the doors open, and he walks out. And he goes, "I get to say that, you know, it's freedom of speech, and I get yes. to." And I said, "Me too, man. Look what we just did. You said something. <laughs> I said something. <laughs> the whole thing. 
How yeah. amazing is it? And then I lived in hope that he wasn't going to the Sky Club. And he was. All right, Jackie, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, a couple of things we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Mouse Movers, which is just a little, a little piece of, you know, it's like a souvenir from the hell world that we live in. That we could like bring, if we could bring it back to ourselves in 2019, we would all be like, be, what's that? Yeah. Oh, no. What? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Patriot Front. So we're going to check in with like a lot of these these stories. I even fell for one. The Christmas shortages, you know, Santa's are, there's a short, Santa shortage. There's a Christmas tree shortage. Rush out and get your Christmas trees and your in-home Santas, I guess, <laughs> b- before they run out. Turns out that's all bullshit. So we're going to talk about that. All of that, plenty more. But first, Jackie, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? I Googled a thing yesterday because I, I got a, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm everyone's favorite aunt. And so I, I get a lot of questions via text, some business related, which is nothing funnier than that because I'm not great at this business, but I, I guess I'm better at it than other comics. So, mm-hmm. and, and I'm willing to answer a question. And, uh, and like every comic, I will at least have an opinion, Maybe. even without <laughs> the information. So... I made a, a joke in a in a text chain with a comic that he didn't get the joke, and I realized that it was a reference to a hacky premise from the eighties, from the nineteen eighties in stand up uh. comedy. And so I googled, "Who said many parts of a pine tree are edible?" And uh, <laughs> it was a grape nuts commercial from the seventies with a guy uh. named Yule Givens. And Yule Gibbons said in this weird, weird Grape Nuts commercial, many parts of a pine tree are edible. And for 20 years after that, from the 70s through the early 90s, it was one of the hackiest premises on the road, stand-up comedy-wise. So how how what was the what were the derivations off of that that like uh, well, the, how was it used? It was, yeah. Sometimes it was a throwaway line, just a tag. Sometimes they would change it. Many parts of a pine tree are edible. They would say sometimes many parts of a fi- pine tree are fuckable. You guys write that down because that's <laughs> that's good times. That's just good writing. Yep. Anyway, because an they both have an able. Anyway, it was terrible. Things were, there was trouble is what I'm saying. It was a weird commercial. I don't blame them, but that is the last thing that was interesting that I Googled. This is, uh, it's a quote from the father of modern foraging. Right. He was, he was a, a weird eating guy from the seventies. What a, what a strange time. Like I, I've, I've looked at, I've looked, well, like, could you imagine uh, like General Mills featuring like so, somebody who's like a, a freegan in, in one of their commercials or, or whatever? even Rick Steves. I mean, right, it would right. be like, it would be like that. We're right. Like, yeah. What? Okay. What's this intersection of brands that I'm seeing yeah. right now? When advertising was just a little worse. But Grape Nuts is weird. So like the people who eat Grape Nuts are weird. Right. I grew up as part of a grape nuts family and it was weird. We ate uh, yogurt and grape nuts was like a thing in my family and it's uh, wow. a bad it's a bad snack and <laughs> what the just fuck feels like child abuse. Well, what is it even? Because I remember as a kid, like going through the cereal, I'm like, that looks like shit. And it's two words I don't like. So let's go on to Rice Krispies treat cereal. But like, what is grape nuts even? It's not a. It's it seemed to be I think it's a baked grain. 
is what I think uh-huh. it is. I think it's a wheat thing. Like, have you ever eaten Weetabix? Is sort of the fun version of grape nuts, oh, <laughs> and Weetabix yeah, yeah. isn't fun. I like Weetabix, <laughs> but that's because I put a lot of fruit on it with my milk. But okay. yeah, grape nuts seems like it is the result of a bet between like so- some giant like food barons of like I bet I can get people to eat just the worst like essentially right. gravel it is it is so bad in your mouth it there's like one and a half seconds where the aftertaste is like pretty good and I think <laughs> that's what it's been coasting on but also like grape and nuts are two words yeah. that are appetizing to people we like grapefruit has been coasting off having the word grape in it for so long, even though it tastes like shit. Grape nuts. Wow. Same same I deal. I like grapefruit. I'm not made of stone over here. Right. Yeah. I actually do like grapefruit, but like my kids. <laughs> Point fruit. Like, yeah. <laughs> my my kids' reaction to grapefruit is like that. This tastes horrible, but I th- I think it gets a lot of points just based on the name. Yeah, it's not it's definitely not for kids. That's for sure. Like, I I remember in my house, we had a grapefruit tree that like every adult would be like whenever they came off and I had to go pick them and like bring them back. People would never like, oh, I love your grapefruits. There's just the flavor is so good. I could never understand it. I was like 23 and I was like, oh, right. It's not just that it has to taste like juice. Yeah. And that's there are other dimensions of flavor that can be positive. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I don't know what it is about about becoming an adult and being able to have like a nuanced palate. Right. But when you're a kid, you're just like, nah, I just want a fruit roll up. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, weird. Exactly. Yeah. What is something you think is overrated? I was torn between NFTs and cryptocurrency. One in the same, really. Right. They feel like, I mean, money itself is such an illusion. But this is like the illusion of the illusion. <laughs> and you're like, right. okay, all right. I get it. All right. You're bored. There's like, you have so much money that you're like, oh, but I just, I'm the only one that has this picture of this thing. And you're like, I don't understand. Go outside. What's happening? Yeah. It's like a boring satirist is writing reality now. Like somebody who is trying to satirize the fact that money is nothing. it's, It's a Mark Twain automaton. Right. It's like right. something's going horribly awry. Yeah. The There's fuck? a Tracy Alloway tweeted a couple of days ago. as a tweet that said, just saw someone describe crypto as Mary Kay for young men. And now I'm dying. <laughs> oh, my it. God. That uh, <laughs> stuck the landing. Nice yeah. work. I mean, there's. I also saw recently this clip, this viral clip of a guy at a party who was displaying an NFT he owned on a backpack. Like, had a backpack with like an LED screen on it. And it was just like rotating this like NFT gift that he owned. And it was wow. just like, what the fuck? I, I'm part of me like say a... like, this is, that'll never get gained traction. But I don't know if I'm just an older person watching a, like a wave crest. And I'm like, and now I have my LED backpack for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, fanny packs are back. So how, who am I to judge? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. It's like, it's, it's certainly a pl- my friend Carmen Morales does this joke about how only rich people are the ones who want to downsize, who want to clear out all their stuff because right. they could buy it again when they want it. <laughs> and <laughs> right. Carmen Morales, you guys go find her. Yeah. yeah Cause I, it just feels like more crap where, I mean, I do, I have nonsense. I have, I have, you know, rooms full of, of, 
just stuff, but I can't imagine. Right. Yeah. It all falls apart. That's how overrated it is. I'm blown away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it. And and also, like, looking at all the ways, like, NFTs are just, especially NFTs, has just been abused to high hell, like, in terms of, like, how did someone bought a $650,000 picture of a yacht? You're like... (laughs) This couldn't be more like tr- like a transparent form of like some kind of money laundering than like I oh, right. really don't see any nice. reason why like yeah dude this picture of a yacht uh yeah. 650 put down on it could have been a home bought this <laughs> gift anyway wow I do think like the blockchain is cool it's a cool concept it's like what makes it cool explain it to me make it cool it's basically a online record or just like a digital record of everything that has happened to a given like document or you know uh thing that's being sold it's just the nfts and and it's dispersed which is like what i think is cool it's not like centrally held by a bank or something it's the reason that it is kind of irrevocable is because it like the second it's out there everybody has access to that and everybody has a copy of it so it's just so like blockchain is just a, a current word for provenance yeah in a way yeah yeah okay well it's just because i was like what does it even what does it mean blockchain right but now i know now i know what it means it, it gets slippery though too like with the decentralized stuff because now you're already seeing how it can begin to centralize whether informally or formally like in exchanges or just with people who are have own a ton of a certain crypto so I mean, oh, I yeah. think that's what that's what makes it, I think, such a Wild West moment where I think people are still trying to find like there's a lot there's some stuff that I can is usable. There are other things where people are completely just, you know, running wild with it. But yeah, that is there's the, a cool concept in there and everything that's being done with it is very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so right. buy Zeitcoin, guys. Uh, it's on uh, Coinbase. Miles, right we're, <laughs> we're not dropping that yet. Oh, oh, my, gotta, oh, right. We got to we got to get a bunch of we got to get that bad artist come, to yeah. create the uh, <laughs> the gift that <laughs> will be attached to it. Jackie, what is something you think is underrated? So many things. So many things are underrated. Everything everyone loves. Right. Mm-hmm. Like people love different things that nobody else loves. But there's but there's, you know, because there's eight billion people on the planet yeah. that, that there there's so like some people love horror movies. And I do not. I do not. Right. But I yeah. I respect that they that they like horror movies. And I've recently found out that what people what some people love about and, and this was an episode of The Dork Forest is that is that what people love about horror movies is that they have a lot of anxiety and sometimes watching a horror movie can bleed off that anxiety. And I was like, yeah. how is that even possible? Really? It should make you more scared. It makes me more scared. Anyway, yeah. so uh, I would say in my, for me, things that are underrated that people don't appreciate are literally uh, romance novels. Hey, Gramication mm. over here telling you about romance novels. Been reading them since junior high, and they make me, they're, I mean, there's so many, di- they're, they're like comic books and stand-up comedy in the way that there's, they're <laughs> written for everybody and by mm. everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like they're written by every race, every religion, every gender, every sexuality. And, you know, some of 
you know, a lot of them, you know, the mocking of them is valid because a lot of them are poorly written, but some of them are not. And, but there's historical, there's paranormal, there's, there's uh, cowboy ones that my great aunt loves. I mean, there's, it's so craptastic that it can be anything. And right. the ones that I read are, uh, read are sort of historical. And that is in finger quotes. Yeah. Because did you see Bridgerton? I was just going to ask yeah. you, like, what your thoughts on Bridgerton are, because that has been like the breakthrough of, yeah. you know, romance novel culture, right? Like that Shonda started Rimes? as a romance novel. Is that novel. who produced it? Yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. Uh, she quite honestly nailed the vibe of them. Yeah. Which right. is dumb and hilarious and kind of sweet and also kind of epically sociopolitical. Right. You know? Like Bridgerton, I weirdly enough had read those books prior to it coming out, which is weird all by itself. Such a random thing, uh, Julia Quinn. So we're in the heart of lockdown, right? We're deep lockdown, looking for something to watch. And I was like, what is this? And so we put it on. I live in a small ho house with my husband. So there it's on the television. He's watching it and he's like, how can she not know what sex is? And I was like, well... <laughs> I don't know if you know about the educational situation <laughs> of women prior to about 1960. <laughs> so, right. like, literally 60 years ago, 70 years ago, tab A, slot A, never mentioned, right? I mean, if you lived <laughs> out, a, if, like, there was no Ikea, like, nobody nobody was given right. directions. And, uh, and so the fact that she didn't know is accurate. And it's so funny about romance novels in the way that they're, that they really, um, some of them do, do this weird reframing, but they're, you know, more and more like history of like women will come out because nobody ever wrote anything about it because women didn't pu get published. So you assume that women were just in the house breeding and doing dishes and getting sandwiches for people. Uh, but it turns out. <laughs> Back in the way back days, there were like women doctors and women lawyers and women scholars and translators and and all that, all kinds of stuff. So maybe the historical romance novels are speculative fiction in the way that they talk about heroines, right? Right, right. But, sure. but maybe they're also channeling some sort of the history that was never written. So that's what right. I think is underrated. At that genre, I mean, in general, I think more and more people are beginning to realize how powerful it is and how popular it is. Have you been to the Ripped Bodice in Culver City? Yes, I have. They do stand. Right. They do have a West Sandham show. Right, right. And like so, and then, you know, they're, they're like to the point where Sony TV, Sony Pictures TV, they signed an overall deal. Like these owners of a romance only bookstore signed an overall deal with Sony Pictures TV off the strength of their knowledge of the genre, which is like right. really interesting to me. And I think. I think goes to show how much even now, like at the higher levels of production, that, that yeah. is coming into focus and realizing how much of a popular genre it is. Here's a fun fact that a lot of people don't know is that the reason why romance novels are sold in grocery stores is because women would get a grocery budget and they could hide their book purchases from their husbands mm. in the 50s and 60s. Oof. Uh Makes <laughs> that's so that makes I'm sorry about yeah. No, it makes no, perfect makes sense. Yeah. Sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like what's a good starter for people who like Bridgerton? Oh, to what, read? What's, yeah, to like a a novel uh, to get started. If you on. wanted a historical romance, you know, Lorraine Newman. 
actually uh, emailed me. She was like, you read these things. I've never read these things. You got something for me? And uh, so I, I turned her on to a series that is actually kind of adorable and pretty good sexy times. Uh, the author's name is Stephanie Lawrence, you guys. Okay. And Miles, Jack, Stephanie Lawrence. And, Stephanie uh, Lawrence. And it's the first one I think is called Devil's Bride. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it be called Devil's Bride? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. And, uh, <laughs> and there's the first six books are actually really good. The next 12 are okay. I think the six <laughs> okay. after that are hit and miss. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing about romance writers as well, is they have to write two or three books a year. Wow. To make a living. Right. Because I mean, the money is really good at the publisher level, but right. not at the author level. Right. So, like so it's like the comic like, books. Right. Or just like when people buy scripts for like Lifetime or Hallmark movies. Or it's That's like, it. Yeah. People are buying them, but they're seven grand a pop. So if you can do like eight. <laughs> are they yeah. seven grand? Because a friend of mine has uh, one coming out December 19th. Je mm. Jennifer, Jen Kirkman. Oh, yeah. I think Jen Kirkman might command a better price than uh, right. just someone a with homework. a good idea. But yeah. It's a Well, uh, I did back-to-back -back episodes last December, a year ago to this month, of uh, about Hallmark Christmas movies. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't have cable, so I've never seen them. And uh, <laughs> But I assume that they are romance novels in hour-and-a-half form. But Jen Kirkman did Hallmark, Hallmark movies, and my brother Russ did Hallmark movies. My brother oh, Russ is an econ professor and he had spreadsheets because he loves, he, the guy is a, is a marshmallow of a dude when it comes to uh, movies, but the, the spreadsheet was how much the budgets were, mm. who, who oh, where they were shot, who directed them. And most of the budget goes to the women actress who is the lead. Mm. Oh, wow. And the That's rest nice. of the budget is split among the crew and the the rest and the guys always change the women are off will often get like a six picture deal but the guys my my brother's like they all look like the same guy you know yeah they're just sort of a six foot six foot two brown haired guy with regular features and i was like yep yeah that sounds handsome that sounds like <laughs> adult man <laughs> wait six foot two regular guy okay uh whitey magoos and he also he, i think he has a column for when anything that isn't a straight white guy is involved and because right. he he broke it down he loves the spreadsheet he's an econ professor so yeah love some facts mm. all right well if you if you like bridgerton <laughs> go check out uh the works of stephanie lawrence <laughs> you can <laughs> stephanie lawrence with an ns lawrence but here's classier. the thing is you also to some extent it's like uh, suggesting porn for people Sure. I mean, you're like, do you like stepmother stuff? Well, here's a website. And what you <laughs> right. want to do is you want to go yeah. to this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there always... So, like, the thing that I think stuck out to a lot of people was in Bridgerton, there was a large plot about the, the male lead always pulling out. Right. It, like, which is, like, kind of sexually graphic to be a plot point i think for for like a high is that is that typical of romance novels to like have a sexually graphic sort of plot oh, point for a while it was about page 145 that they would that the sex scene would happen okay in in a book of about 300 pages so there would be usually some sort of touchy touchy business right around page 45, 50. And then about 145, they'd get laid and then they'd spend uh, the last half misunderstanding each other and then finally uh, doing it again. 
Or <laughs> they spend the whole middle of the book just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, some small misunderstanding, then reconciliation. Right. It's yeah. one of the greatest things about romance novels. Turns out there's yeah. always a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, gotta be. Both for him and for us. <laughs> there so. you go. All right. Well, let's take a quick break <laughs> and we uh, will come back and talk about some news stories. And we're back. And the hottest new souvenir from the year 2021 is the mouse mover, mm-hmm. uh, which Buckle is up. how you trick your boss into thinking you're still at your desk because that is important to them, apparently. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, we've seen it. The this like obsession has gone from, you know, like bosses now in the work from home era seem to be more focused on things like if you're present rather than if you're productive. <laughs> right. Because we've seen all this stuff, like every single study that's come out of like the the lockdowns and things have shown for people who have been able to work from home, you know, despite the stresses that it caused from if you're going from just a brutally pr- productivity centric analysis, productivity has gone up. Yeah. And output has increased. Yes. Yet there's still this like just fucking evil inst like insistence on being like well what's going on are you doing are you sleeping at <laughs> at noon for 20 minutes even though you're also teaching kids like algebra in the other room right. that has also right, right. caused so much stress and i think that's why we've seen the rise of what many call bossware which are just different programs that are intended to track worker activity and it's just gone up more and more and more and you see it in things like you know a lot of people have found that they'll use you know apps like teams or slack and on some instances based on if you have like a a computer owned by your company they can put software on there that says like oh if your mouse isn't moving for like a minute then it's going to set your status to away Mm -hmm. and And give you a little electrical charge in the uh, thing that they implanted (laughs) in your neck right yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) to the countdown it's like yeah it's like the fucking uh, computer and lost that you have to punch the numbers in but yeah and then so this is like obviously led to you know uh, bosses sending like humiliating emails or phone calls or they're just questioning someone's like they're like what are you doing it doesn't even seem like you're doing anything you even need a job that kind of stuff and yeah we're finding out that now workers are having to find a way to push back against this nonsense in yeah. the form of like you're saying a mouse mover a right. simple device a simple device that pretends that moves your mouse as you try to eat lunch Exactly. You're like, I'm going to go get another cup of coffee. I'm going to go have a cigarette. I'm going to, you know, whatever you're going to do. Oh, what a bunch of assholes that they have to, we have to create these things because product, like you said, productivity is up. Yeah, that's not a, that's, that hasn't been an issue. And I think like you're saying, even it, which is odd enough, because if you're in an office, many people will just smoke cigarettes to give themselves a reason to fucking take a break. Exactly. And you don't right. see people being like, where are they, what are you smoking cigarettes? It's just accepted because then there's like the idea. It's like, well, you came to the factory today. So right. then at least I know if you're not, if you're here, then you can't be helping your family do something, navigate a sh- incredibly stressful time. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, you know, that, that sort of same, I think. That same perspective hasn't been adopted. But these devices, like, they run the fucking gamut, which is amazing because in the beginning, there was a company that started in February of 2020, like a mouse mover company. And they just did it because they're like, we know people use it for like, if you're if you're looking at many different screens, 
for like data analysis or things like that. Sometimes you just want something like that. So the computer doesn't like it might not have the function to know that you don't want it to go to sleep or something. So you Mm -hmm. use a mouse mover for that. But then this company just saw an just exponential uptick in sales since like April of 2020 when they realized, oh, my God, I'm being watched in my own home. And the only way to combat this is if my mouse is moving. So they have like mechanical ones that you just rest your mouse on and it just kind of goes like left to right to just kind of keep it moving. They have other like USB devices you can plug in that will just tell your computer that there's like a mouse being moved. So no matter what, you can just do whatever you need to. But the observing eyes that be won't know. And some they're also just YouTube videos, too. I didn't realize that have like these moving graphics and you have like if you have an optical mouse, it will actually like create like it'll create movement in the cursor again so you can just run a video and people are going to think you're working that you're but, that you're doing something and what you're really doing is playing lords of water deep on steam but uh you know <laughs> i also exactly. need to move my mouse for that right but, uh wow what why i've never understood i mean granted i do stand-up so there's not a lot of oversight right and <laughs> right. Uh, but i never understood you know, when I when I had day jobs, why there was so many shit bags, right? Like, why? What do you care? Am mm-hmm. I doing the job? Is like I remember I used to stuff envelopes for some gig. I worked at a, a nonprofit, and this this my boss told me how to stuff envelopes and address envelopes for this mailing, and she explained it. Took fifteen, sixteen minutes to explain it, and then she said, "Do you, do you understand?" And I said. Mostly, I'm going to probably have to ask you two more times as I do this, how to Mm. do it again. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah, I don't care. I mean, I don't get a lot of my self-esteem whether I whether I got this right the first time. I just want to do it how you want it done, because I don't like I would be really good as like a a prep cook because I don't care how I cut the vegetables. But the chef does. And (laughs) most people go to work. They they don't want to take it home with them. We're we're not all inventors, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'll do it however you want. But then when it's done, don't stare at me. I'm going to do it and then get the hell out of my way. Yeah, <laughs> there's we've talked before the theory of bullshit jobs essay and then book written by David Graeber that argues that like half of the jobs of societal work is like pointless and like just there to give people give like bosses people to boss around and i feel like this is a huge check mark in the like evidence for that because (laughs) productivity like you said is up so that's not what they're that's not what they're worrying about they're worrying about whether you are being like whether the quality of your life is being diminished by their like it's all about power and control it's not anything about productivity and and effectiveness yeah yeah or for people to recontextualize what it means to work too right because if you're like wait well i'm working but i'm also doing this other stuff why don't i do more of that you can't be feeling that comfortable because this whole financial system is based on the threat of homelessness and starvation to coerce you and to keep working. So I don't start loosening your definitions of what it means to survive. We can't have that. So you better have that fucking mouse moving yeah. is, I don't know, very low stakes. But it's it's one of these things that's been across the board, just been denounced. You know, the Electronic Frontier Foundation 
calls Bossware, you know, invasive, unnecessary, unethical. The Center for Democracy and Technology called it out as being, quote, actively detrimental to employees' health and demanding that, like, OSHA actually updates its policies so that, like, on worker safety to also include, like, at-home workers just for, like, this kind of weird, you know, patrol, like, productivity patrol that's, like, unnecessary. Right, right. Because it's not like we're not all accepting that, you know, like there's a TV in this room, this this iPad. I don't know who else is watching, but mm-hmm. I've sort of accepted that eh, I'm probably never alone. And uh, and there's cameras in this casino, in this hotel. Right. And But there's absolutely no reason for me to, for anyone to check in and go, right, hey, right. by the way, I am watching you. I'm just You're like, like what? <laughs> I'm the low-level hum of me being watched at all times is already there. You don't need right. to poke it. Please don't <laughs> prod yeah. that open wound. <laughs> so. I heard, yeah, the panopticon is real. <laughs> all right, let's talk about Patriot Front real quick. So over the weekend, last weekend, about 100 members of this far-right group, Patriot Front, gathered in D.C. to do a little march, have a little speech about European diaspora or like oh, whatever right, fucking right. code word that code word they're using. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. diaspora instead of colonialism. Nice work. Right. Anyway. Well, yeah. look, that's the fun of it, right? We're a yeah. diasporic community. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we like diversity in the European countries that our members come from. So right. We're actually yeah, that guy's fans vaguely of diversity. Pink. This person's vaguely tan. Right. Anyway. <laughs> right. But yeah. Yeah, but this is the same group from Charlottesville. They just changed their name, right? Right, yeah. right. Vanguard or something, right? Vanguard yeah. America. And that's the guy, Alex Fields, who you remember was the man who killed Heather Heyer. Right. He was decked out in their regalia of like, you know, khakis and like polo. And at the time they were like, well, he's he wasn't they couldn't find that he was an official member. But based on the images, you're like, well, he was definitely around it and wanting to participate. And I think that was enough for them to realize maybe a rebrand is in order. So yeah. they became Patriot Front, which is also really a really cool name as well. Oh, it's got the word Patriot in it. And yeah, then, you exactly. Know, the flags were all upside down. and yeah. yeah, they love it because the United States is in distress. Uh, He's because they're of white in supremacy. distress. Right. And, uh, but, <laughs> but, and they're anti-maskers, but they're all masked up. It was well, yeah, Balaclava so Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so brave. But, you know, they do shit like security for neo-Nazis. They have like a clear leader in this like 23-year-old who like has been arrested and was at the D.C. event. And so this isn't like this unknown or obscure group, especially to anyone that is, you know, pays attention to far-right extremism in this country. Yet, again, Republicans were just lockstep in their what this always happens their confusion and denial about what this group is that very much intersects with their with their party and saying things like uh marjorie taylor uh gestapo she was even saying stuff like nope this is a quote from her like with an image of these people said no patriot group i've ever seen wears khakis stormtrooper knee pads and covers their faces like they're scared Uh uh-huh okay Uh, except yeah. Everyone you talk to and get <laughs> money from, you right. crazy, stupid shitbag of a human. I'm so full of rage. I'm so, she's the she's the worst. You know how like you have to spend like I spend a good portion of my time going, oh, middle aged white women, great, fifty two percent voted for Trump. Okay, how do I who do I who do I punch? But yeah, these guys. So they were the vanguard ones from Charlottesville. Yeah, yeah. 
That's mm, no. That's nuts. And the Republicans are pretending that they didn't that they've never heard of them. They huh? don't know who Ooh. they are. Yeah. Van who, what? Don't know what? who who are. Wait, what? you've been looking at my retirement a Vanguard account. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> huh? Ooh. That's really the the tact here. Yeah, for sure. Wow. But they get a, yeah. The I feel like yeah. The the Republican Party is like a white supremacist institution Definitely. and like the the degree to which they're still be treat, being treated as a, as a viable second viable party, second party yeah. is an absolute crime like this yeah. is yeah i mean there's a lot of oh man there was that twitter thread jack that i sent you earlier that i saw yeah. it was very popular from um this professor dr william horn who is just talking about I mean, this he did a whole thread about how what's happening right now and the like polarization and the fact that the the Republicans are doing everything they can to completely upend or, you know, just overturn whatever election results. They don't happen. You're saying this is actually kind of like worse than the Civil War. And let me tell you why. And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was this insistence on the media and Democrats that they have a complete inability to say this thing like the Republicans have completely turned into this like ghoulish party that it's we're not even talking about how radicalized it's become the word bipartisanship is still used as if you're dealing with people of good faith and in general i mean for all the those disappointment there's for democratic leadership it's just you do see though too like especially on the news there's no full-throated sort of description of what the republican party is and what they're trying to do it's just like they're becoming very aggressive with their gerrymandering efforts but not saying this is because they're building the framework to completely kneecap the sort of democratic process that exists in the country. It's just always yeah. a few degrees short of that. And it leaves people completely like confused to know what's happening like right now in real time. Right, yeah. Right. We're going to try yeah. and have that uh, professor on. He teaches an entire course on like white backlash, the history of white right. rage did, and white backlash. Right. And, Didn't he write a book? Did yeah. uh, he, or doesn't he have a new book out that is that looked fascinating? I can't remember the name of it. Demand the it? Impossible, I think, is one of his. Or no, no. that came out in 2018. But I mean, right. But his, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was he the thread comes about because somebody's like, so we're going to dissolve into civil war. Right. And he's like, actually, like that would be not the worst case. The worst case seems to be what's actually happening, which is that the white supremacy is becoming the mainstream option and there isn't enough of a, you know, pushback from uh, right. anyone resisting from white established, supremacy. Yeah, from establishment. And, right. you know, it's interesting because my new album, I have like a throwaway line that we're going through the laziest civil war right now right. that I've ever seen yeah. in my life. <laughs> and it's a very, like, it's on brand. You know, the only people right now, and I... And I, I didn't put it on the album, but I was, I said, where was I last week? I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I said, you know, I would tell you guys to pick up arms. Right. Because like, the only people right now shooting anybody are the bad guys. Right. The bad guys yeah. are the only one that are killing everybody. And yeah. I would say, I would say that you should, you should raise arms, except for that I'm unwilling to do it. Right. Right. So I don't yeah, know how, I don't know how to fight people that are willing to shoot innocent people like who were just willing to mow children down and and you know people on the street and yeah. the the only joke that used to get a bigger laugh what 
six or seven years ago, it used to get a good laugh, that the Germans are going to get to be the good guys in World War Three. Right, right. Yeah, because if yeah. you miss the worst thing you ever did, you get to be the hero in the sequel. Right. And they're the only ones paying reparations. So, yeah, like literally paying reparations. Yeah. Which is not a extreme position. It's like the right thing to do. In yeah, like yeah, there was. I saw some video where some dirtbag American dude was standing outside what I guess used to be the Reichstag, and or is I don't know anything about uh, Berlin. Uh, and he he did like the Nazi salute, and some German just pedestrian walked by him and punched him right in the face. There you go. Right. It was one of the greatest. I love the. It was a great. Video. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's. I think it's just one of these moments too. Americans have. Never in, you know, the modern history had to really deal with some kind of issue like on the soil of America. You know what I mean? Like there's just it's it's not a it, it's not a problem solving. It's not necessarily a problem solving skill people need. But because of the relative stability, there's just this utter lack of imagination for how bad things can get or how good things can be either. So you're just dealing with a lot of so what happens is in this space right now where a lot of people are scratching their heads and like, is this bad? Like, I don't think America could become a place where like they'll use the Supreme Court to create a caste system and an apartheid state. Wait, they did. And they, they did are. Yeah. So after the Civil War, after lots of people died and like to, you know, make it so that that wasn't the case, they like. There was the backlash, and then the it, it became official law. To in in the married. late '60s, though, there was a lot more rioting and a lot more, and and real change happened. It wasn't exponential. Actually, it was exponential from what came before, right? Right, right. But it it's obviously not enough, and it's obviously there is this white supremacist backlash of. Well, we're there, we're losing, we're losing, you know, there's not enough of some, it's this, and plus nobody is putting on uniforms and lining up. Only the doofuses of, of, of Vanguard Proud Front or Patriot Front or whatever right. uh, are all wearing the same chinos like they work at Old Navy and right. lining up and, and carrying flags. The original Civil War was in a different time of warfare, right? I mean, we are mm -hmm. in a civil war because of guerrilla warfare, because of insurgency, because of terrorism. Right. That's what we're in. Yeah. I don't know how to... I mean, nobody's lining up. We're not going to yeah. all go stand... I'm not going to put on a blue hat and... Well, I think that's what's that's what will make this new, you know, part of history even more insidious if it's unfolding the way it looks like, which is there'll be people who are materially comfortable and can actually rationalize that they don't this yeah things are bad but it's not bad for me and it's not bad enough that i need to upend my own relative stability to try and change something right. yeah try try to get what uh, is hilariously called the middle class to stand up because there is no middle class yeah. there is only the wealthy of which i am one of and i consider my wealth the fact that i live indoors the fact mm -hmm. that I can buy a pair of shoes and not look at the price. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a that's a real sign of wealth to me is that I can buy clothes and not have to be worried about how much they cost. I can I can. And it isn't the obscenity that is billionaires, but right. it is real. You mm -hmm. know, this this the fact that I'm doing well. Yeah. 
and right and I to mean, try to get me to do something besides tweet besides right. you know go out and stand on a corner once every six months you know yeah. i used to do a lot more protesting in the in the 80s and 90s where i was on the street and it did not feel super effective like i was in the 80s i did a lot of anti-apartheid protests at college and stuff and it it didn't feel like it did a lot right but it did help i did feel part of something you know it did feel like i was doing something Mm -hmm. which is a huge need in like i think loneliness is epidemic right now so like it, it does feel like there are like ways that like activism getting some community response like dual power like they answer many questions that i think are are being asked or aren't being asked enough but you know many problems that we currently have right all right let's uh let's take a break and come back and talk about some bullshit shortages And we're back, and let's look at news of Christmas shortages, which really, like, our our writer, J.M., kind of put together a comprehensive look at, like, how this happens basically every year. I do also want to just add that in sort of a coalescence of stories from our doc into a artful collage, an arsonist climbed the Christmas tree sculpture outside Fox News headquarters and set it on fire. And, like, that shit went up. (laughs) so yeah and they're they are like that's all they're talking about on fox yeah yeah. but again right right they they don't yeah that's all they're talking about when you know three people just got murdered last week you know you're just like that's the thing you're like oh they're terrorists and you're like what about okay all right yeah well but i mean again that's the thing that when if that's like sort of like the momentum of how you take in the world like through fox you'll It'll it just conditions you to be outraged at the things that have nothing to do with you yeah, and completely right. ignore all of the things that absolutely are existential threats to your life. Yeah. Wow. So we've talked about uh, a couple of the stories that are getting run this year. The Santa Claus shortage, which I, I've seen like it seemed like the implication was that it was like Fauci's fault because the. Uh, Santas didn't want to get vaccinated or they didn't want to have to wear masks because they wanted to be just face to face with children. The like germiest, most like spittle flecked uh, <laughs> humans in existence. They, they wanted those on their lap. dishes. Yeah. yeah. But the real reason somebody actually looked at it, the real reason why there is a shortage of Santas compared to last year, not compared to like all time or, you know, it's a relative shortage is that hundreds of Santas died of COVID. Right, a bunch of old guys. They were yeah. a bunch of old dudes who... Comorbidities. Yeah, and, and hung... Right, right. They're also not the healthiest dudes in the world. Right. And they spend all their time around kids. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did they... All, there was a big... There was a big... They killed? They died? The COVID killed them? Yeah. There's... I mean, that's what they're they're saying, that there's just a lot of... People used to work as Santas in years past who passed away from COVID or are hesitant to go to a job where, you know, germ-ridden kids sit on their lap. And after all their Santa friends died, I'm assuming they're all friends with one another. (laughs) Yeah, that feels like a tight-knit group. 
Yeah. Sure. I mean, they do have the SantaCon, so I'm sure they yeah. know each other, know that like they're dropping like flies. Fox's online reporting mentioned the Santa story and, and even mentioned like, and you know, that there have been disproportionate number of deaths. But they ended it at the they added it at the end of a uh, sob story about how one woman couldn't get a Santa for her country club party. Oh, a single <laughs> tear. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. That is, <laughs> that's not fair. It's that's a, not fair to her right, or her country club. Yeah, right yeah. or her country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is so brutal. My brother has has uh, he's in charge of the Santa for his church in Milwaukee, and he said our Santa is retiring, and I was like. I think that guy's been your Santa for, he goes, almost 20 years. And I said, wow. so how old is he? He goes, he's 80. And I was like, <laughs> that guy gets to retire. You know, yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg right. gets to die. You people yeah. fuck off. These people are old. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's next? Cool. Thanks a lot, Fauci. Right, right. He's retiring. Yeah. He's 80. <laughs> he's 80. It turns out he'd like to sit down. Way to go, oh. Joe Byron. Oh. So the one that got me, Christmas tree shortage. We got our Christmas tree extra early this year because... Uh, oh, you oh you got it? Just in yeah, case? Yeah, we got it. Just because, you know, even I think NPR was saying, like, there's a Christmas tree shortage. And so... First of all, there are like slightly less Christmas trees for sale this year because of the extreme heat and flooding caused by climate change. But according to like the National Christmas Tree Association, which is a real thing that like monitors the supply and demand for Christmas trees, according to them, there is no Christmas tree shortage. There was a oversupply of trees between 1995 and 2015. And the oversupply meant that farmers couldn't raise prices, uh, which affected how many trees they could plant, which like then led to the current system, which so any like there's a Christmas tree shortage story is actually there's the right amount of Christmas trees. <laughs> right. That's People actually might what's just happening. sell them all. Right. With no leftovers. Mm -hmm. the, but yeah, Doug Hundley, I don't, I'm sure I don't have to tell you this, but he's the oh, spokesman yeah. for the for National the Christmas National Tree Association. Association. Uh, <laughs> but he said the shortage talk has been going on for the fifth year now. And those of us at the NCTA, National Christmas Tree Association, have tried to put water on that fire, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> there, which, shout out to, I, th I heard the same thing was going on at Fox News earlier. Yeah, I just like that there's honesty in like this trade organization where yeah. they could have been like, yeah, I mean. Oh, my gosh, that, get out that's there. That's reporting. Probably important to get your Christmas tree as soon as possible. Like, and maybe oh, buy yeah, two. Once you buy two. Yeah. And uh, no, maybe not. No. But they're like, no, 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 no. Like maybe they're so they love the spirit of Christmas. They're like, no, 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 no. It's bountiful. It's plentiful, everyone. No need to <laughs> right. rush or panic. It's fine. There's going to be some woman who has a really fancy job. Who, who goes back to her hometown and falls in love with the guy who runs the Christmas tree farm. Exactly. <laughs> Every Hallmark movie ever, I'm told. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. But guys, think about how it's affecting the wood chipper industry heading into Christmas. You know, there's fewer trees that have to go into the wood chipper, mm -hmm. which that can't be good for, I don't know, John Deere, <laughs> who, who is a hero of ours here. Right. Yeah, but... It just means fewer trees are being wasted. But this is so Jam like put together this list of just the past 10 years, like shortage panics around Christmas supplies. So we've got Wall Street Journal, 
from 2016. There may not be enough eggnog this year. <laughs> CNBC, spike in eggnog sales could lead to Christmas shortage. 2015, candy cane crisis. U.S. takeover <laughs> leaves Canadian retailers Can we take short. take one by one? First yes. of all, eggnog. Has anyone ever wanted more than one fucking glass of eggnog in their lives? Oh, when I had, I would just have like diarrhea from the amount of like fat and like how <laughs> rich it was. It's I'm just like, like can we cut this with regular milk and right. then be <laughs> done with it over here. and they only sell it in half gallons and you're like why why isn't it sold in a tiny half and yeah. half thing so that i can then have anyway candy canes in canada boo right. i don't believe it's almost it. like wall street journal might have like some connections with wall street or something <laughs> that makes some, some economic uh, inv- uh, yeah. reason for yeah, yeah creating not enough big... eggnog what are we, we gonna do yeah just Get oh my god, away. elves on a shelf are missing. Oh my god. Bye, bye. Drink. So 2015 candy cane drought, candy cane crisis, <laughs> US takeover leaves Canadian retailers short. Takeover. Again, I love the wording there. Like we're fucking yeah. we've like advanced on their border or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Northern Michigan just running over the yeah. <laughs> right. We all remember 2008, you know, <laughs> as the year of the Christmas mistletoe shortage oh mistletoe shortage wow the telegraph christmas kissing at threat because of mistletoe shortage oh i want to find people who write headlines and bury them alive (laughs) (laughs) head first paint their feet with honey and then release ants i (laughs) find headlines to be the most infuriating and uh wow i mean that's yeah a lot of people say that led to that led to the current financial crisis, you know? Right. Well, that's actually that's our hour. Jackie, what? It's been feel like such I'm a therapy. pleasure having you. And that's our hour. And that's and our that's hour. And that's our hour. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, this has been a delight. Uh you yeah, do. It's so fun. First of all, can I tell you about that document you sent me and how it should be its own blog? Because uh, it's <laughs> hundreds of pages of current event. Like I've already tweeted, Facebook posted, and sent via text at least five different links that are on that list. Going, yeah. did you see this Bluetooth phone? That's a Fisher Price thing. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what I would do with it, but I want it. <laughs> I don't know why I want it. I know. The living record, a living document. Yeah. It is a it is a living document <laughs> that was terrifying once I opened it. By the yeah. way, because I hadn't got to the third paragraph, which said we're just we're not going to do it all. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't I had below this. Don't read. worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This was truly a yeah. pleasure. Where can people find you and follow you? Oh, thanks so much for having me, you guys. And uh, my name is Jackie Cation, and the name of my new album is Staycation. Get it? Because we were all (laughs) at home for a second. And And that's what uh, the audience says when when you're done with your set. Staycation. Staycation. Stay. And then they all carry me off. And and (laughs) so Cation is, um, but that's how you pronounce my last name. And uh, it's going to do good work for people pronouncing my last name because it's, uh, and it, and everywhere is just at Jackie Cation. Everything's free to listen to on all the places you listen to things. You can watch uh, uh, videos of me doing stand-up on YouTube and all the things. And other than that, I have the two podcasts. But if you just go to JackieCation.com. Thank you very much. Is, is the Dork Forest a reference to the Dark Forest? Like no, the... the Dork Forest is a reference to a joke I did back in the early 2000s about how I hang out with anybody and to 
to uh, how and the the premise was is how far into the dork forest do I have to go to get to someone I would not hang out with? <laughs> and it turns out it was a, a Civil War reenactment guys. And oh, yeah. uh, so <laughs> and so the That's the, the bit of, yeah, the bit itself is just sort of one of those list jokes yeah. where I list different dorky things that I have to go past to to get to the Civil War reenactment guys. So when I started the podcast, I was like, I kind of want to interview people about what they love. So the Dork Forest was born. The there's, a, there's a new sci-fi book. It's like the second book in the Three Body Problem trilogy that is about to be like a big show on HBO or what or Netflix, I think. And it's called The Dark Forest. So Oh, right, right. Oh, so I think, I'd look forward to that being mistaken for a thousand years. Yeah. Then, if yeah, it's yeah. a hit. Well, you, uh, you can just tell people the truth that they based the second book of yes. that series off of your podcast. That's right. Yeah. Have you read the N.K. Jemison Broken Earth trilogy? I haven't. No. Won the Hugo three years in a row. It's an amazing. They're, they're going to make a TV show out of that, too. It's amazing. Damn. Okay. It's I'm going to have awesome. to read that. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying, or you can the just... one that that made me laugh and made me angry yesterday was Brent Spiner, the guy who played Data on uh, Next Trek, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. He tweeted something like, "Is this right? I spent a night in jail for parking tickets, but you can just say no to congressional subpoenas." And uh, <laughs> I was great. like, "That was that was my current one yesterday that made me laugh and full break." There right. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also the other podcast, 420 Day Fiance uh, with Sophia Alexandra, where we just talk mm. about our favorite show, 90 Day Fiance, in all its iterations. Uh, a tweet that I like, first one, is from Make Oxtail Cheap Again at C uh, Sim Simaz tweeted, they really had us baby millennials dressing business casual to go to the club. And for anybody who was hitting the clubs and the aughts and the tens, there was just the weirdest dress codes back then. Yeah, you really had to look on some button up like leather shoe nonsense. Mm -hmm. And we were dressing. I mean, look, they were we were all being indoctrinated for our jobs as, uh, you know, middling corporate workers then the next one is from uh, jen richards at smart ass jen tweeted hey in case you weren't already feeling old today i just heard an intern say they loved succession's new weekly drop model and that it was a smart way to get people hooked there you go <laughs> i mean that is uh, it's fucking it innovative smart. they're they're at the <laughs> cutting edge of uh content <laughs> of reinventing television well done <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've done it all right derek uh at derek 818-533 i think that's their phone number so i won't read the rest I said when someone is knighted by the queen they should have to fight for the queen they should have sent paul <laughs> mccartney to iraq which i just <laughs> wish they had done that and at Mark Dubbs tweeted, just got my fourth wall blown out by Kurt Vonnegut, which I liked. <laughs> you can awesome. find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, Footnote. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode. Uh, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Uh, let's do a track by Puma Blue. Uh, I think maybe I've done one Puma Blue track before, but 
Blue Blues, like just one of these amazing artists who's like a singer, songwriter, producer, multi, like just does it all. Mm. Uh, and their music is just so, so just rich and it, it, it feels good. Like there's, you can, you can feel the musicianship in it and the creativity. So this is a track from Puma Blue called Oil Slick. So check that one out. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcaster, wherever, wherever. Fine podcasts are given away for free. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.